This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. Libby Snymer is away this week. I'm Jane Brown. This week, Facebook celebrated its 10th birthday. Part of the social network's continued longevity is due to Zoomers. They are the fastest-growing group of Facebook users, choosing it over many other online options. Coming up, I'll be joined by Zoomer Media's tech expert, McLean Greaves, to find out why Facebook is such a hit with us Zoomers and what other social sites we should be checking out. Plus, a new report from the Heart and Stroke Foundation says many Canadians who survive heart attacks or strokes aren't making the lifestyle changes needed to prevent their health problems from recurring. Today, I'll talk to Nadia Bender, a heart attack survivor and a personal trainer, about how to bounce back after these kinds of life-threatening events. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A sobering report about cancer has been released from the World Health Organization. The group's International Cancer Agency warns there will be 22 million new cases of cancer every year within the next two decades. It estimates in 2012 there were 14 million new cancer cases, but predicts that figure will jump significantly due to global aging and the spread of cancers to developing countries. The top cancer killers in 2012 were those of the lung, liver, and stomach. Doormen in New York City have been recruited for a second duty, spotting elder abuse. The Weinberg Center for Elder Abuse Prevention has partnered with doormen and porters all across the city, training them to spot warning signs of elder abuse, which can range from relatives with pushy attitudes to visible cuts and bruises. Joy Solomon is the director of the Weinberg Center. She says doormen know everything that's going on. They have a relationship of trust. The center also trains people who come in contact with isolated seniors, such as Meals on Wheels delivery workers. Much like here in Canada, elder abuse in the United States remains a widely unreported crime. Hollywood's tendency to focus on young, fresh faces is certainly no secret, but now a new study shows just how tough it can be for older actresses to stay in the biz. Researchers examined the top 265 earning actresses and actors in Hollywood films from 1968 to 2008. The men enjoyed regular salary increases throughout their career peaking at the age of 51, with very little decrease after. However, the women only enjoyed regular salaries throughout their 20s. And when they reached the age of 34, the amount of money they made per movie dropped drastically. Of course, there are exceptions to this trend. Meryl Streep has a star power that has only grown with age. But researchers suggest roles for older female actors are limited, creating more pressure on female stars to maintain a youthful appearance. It was the last Tonight Show with Jay Leno as host. I don't like goodbyes. NBC does. 
I don't care. I don't. I don't care. Leno took over from Johnny Carson 22 years ago. On his final Tonight Show Thursday, Leno paid tribute to his predecessor. And in closing, I want to quote Johnny Carson, who was the greatest guy to ever do this job. And he said, I bid you all a heartfelt good night. 39-year-old Jimmy Fallon takes over for Leno, who's leaving at the age of 63. I'm Jane Brown, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Heart disease continues to be one of the top killers of both Canadian men and women. It's something that should be taken very seriously. But a new report from the Heart and Stroke Foundation suggests that many people who are lucky enough to survive a heart attack don't make the proper lifestyle changes to prevent another one. Nadia Bender is an exception to that. She suffered a heart attack in June of 2013 and joins me now with her story. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I lead a healthy diet. I'm a non-smoker. I'm non-diabetic. I have no heart disease in the family. And yet seven months ago in June, I had a heart attack. And I actually had the heart attack when I was teaching my regular cardio with weights class. And when the pain came on, it came on like a severe razor sharp pain into my chest. It felt like a, uh, like a 20 pound weight was sitting on my chest. And the pain got more severe the harder that I was pushing in the, in the cardio activity. And so, you're young as well, 46 years old. Exactly. Had there been any sign or anything um, in a minor way that you had felt leading up to that day? Well, t- two weeks prior to actually having that heart attack at, at my studio, I was away in uh, Cuba vacationing, and I experienced the exact same pain when I woke up one morning. And I associated that pain to the day before I was working out in the gym, and I was using chest machines. So uh-huh. I was assuming that it was related to my chest uh, um, muscle that I was pushing too hard. What did the doctors say to you about why you had the heart attack? They, well, they said that my cardiologist had said to me that uh, it was my own genetic makeup of my body that resulted in the heart attack because I didn't have any of the typical symptoms or I wasn't the typical candidate for a heart attack. But he did say to me that what saved me was my fitness level. He said that if I hadn't have been so fit and strong, the heart attack would have killed me at a very young age. And he also said that um, because of how strong I was before I had the heart attack, my recovery was going to be that much quicker, um, which was true because it only took me six weeks to recover. Now, you know about the new finding by the online poll for the Heart and Stroke Foundation that more than half of the respondents advised to get regular exercise and eat healthier after having a heart attack or stroke failed to make the changes stick. Now, you're somebody who had already made the changes, was living a healthy lifestyle. What do you say to people to keep them inspired and to keep them, to keep them focused on living a better lifestyle so they don't have problems recur? Yeah, what I found is immediately after my heart attack, it was a time to reassess everything that I was doing with my lifestyle. And, you know, I was looking at, you know, how much more can I improve on my on my health and on my diet and on my exercise. And um, I started to look at at specific details um, with regards to um, whether or not I was looking after, let's say it was my teeth. Now, I had no idea that plaque buildup on your teeth are actually tied to heart disease. Mm. So if you don't floss your teeth, then that can make things worse. 
so all of a sudden now I'm a true believer of flossing my teeth every day. So these little tiny changes, I set goals for myself. And I think that was the, the, the biggest thing for people to do after a heart attack is to set small goals that are achievable and then they can progress further. I actually uh, participated in the cardiac rehab that was available to me through the Trillium Hospital, and that was tremendous in the support and guidance that they gave me. Um, they gave me the push. They gave me the motivation to keep going. Um, and every time I felt a pain here, a pain there, I had people that I could rely on that were part of the program that I would ask them, are you getting the same chest pain that I'm getting when you're doing this kind of activity? And there was a lot of uh, support there, and that's what people really need when, they're, when they come out of the hospital and they've had such a traumatic event happen to them. You're so scared at doing regular daily activity that to go to the next level of exercise is a real challenge on the mental as much as it is on the physical. So getting past that, that barrier in your head that, you know, if you pick up something, it's not going to cause you to have another heart attack. You've got to go beyond that, and you've got to look at, at setting tiny, small goals, you know, walking every day right. just to get your body going again. And tell us about how you would apply that small goal mentality to eating healthier. It's, it's the same idea is taking a look at, at what kind of food you're having at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and your snacks. I looked at it like every time I saw a plate that was filled with grease, I would take a look at that grease and I'd associate it to the plaque that would be building up on my arteries. And I had this visual picture that I got from the hospital education that they showed me what the plaque looked like on my arteries. And now when I look at a plate of grease, I, all I think of is that plaque. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to do is put that in my mouth. Topping the list of reasons for why the healthy changes didn't stick, according to the survey by the Heart and Stroke Foundation, lack of motivation. What can you offer people about that, how to stay on track with the whole big picture moving in the right direction? It's so important to have somebody to help you do it. Um, so if I looked at myself, I'm a personal trainer, I'm a fitness instructor, I'm a business owner, and I still needed help to um, get cardiac rehabilitation. So I went to the, the hospital program for my help. And if, you know, you don't have access to that, then there are facilities. I am now a, a recognized facility called a, it's a HeartWise program that I offer at the studio to help patients that have experienced heart attacks that can um, participate in exercise programs, I would be working with someone like that to help them to get past the, the barrier of the fear and get them back into regular daily activity. You certainly are an inspiration. Thank you, Nadia, and all the best to you. Thank you so much, Jane. You can find out more information about heart disease, stroke, and healthy living online at heartandstroke.ca. I'm Jane Brown, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. This week, Facebook celebrated its 10th birthday, and much of its popularity is owed to Zoomers. In just a moment, I'll talk with our tech expert, McLean Greaves. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Well, here's something to like. This week, the social networking website Facebook turns 10 years old. According to the Pew Research Center, 71% of all online adults have Facebook profiles, and the 50-plus crowd is the fastest-growing group of users. I'm joined by our own Zoomer Media tech expert, McLean Greaves, to find out more about the digital Zoom boom. 
It's interesting because the uh, the Zoomer demographic is typically known as the late adopters. So essentially, they have the money to buy technology, they use technology, they're actually the biggest buyers, but they prefer technology that actually works and isn't buggy. So what's happened in the last couple of years is as uh, Facebook's become more mainstream, there's been this rush of Zoomers on Facebook, and there's now about 6.5 million of them on, on the site. And it's interesting because I just read an article recently that the fastest growing group, quite frankly, on Facebook is the 65-plus crowd. Ah. Well, there was a woman who was 106 recently who was using Facebook. She's fully embraced it as a way of keeping touch with her friends. I wonder if she's found, found a lot of high school friends. People <laughs> yeah. tend to do that. They go on yeah. Facebook and look for their old high school crush, you know, that sort of thing. Isn't that the weirdest thing, too, when after 30 years you see somebody <laughs> that you went to high school with, you see what they're doing, or you, they have pictures of their children up who look like they did when you were going to high school together. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird thing. It's an opportunity to tackle unresolved love. <laughs> you think that's what it is? I was that guy who had a crush on you but couldn't tell you when I was 15, that sort of thing. Well, and then, of course, there is this whole a Zoomer online dating phenomenon as well because you have a lot of marriages ending for whatever reason. And online dating is the new way that people are meeting each other. And it's no longer there's no longer a stigma around going to the Internet to find a date, right? Yeah, there's been a lot of growth. Like Even with our own dating site, ZoomerSingles.com, we've noticed that there's been about 33% year-over-year growth in terms of the user base. And so we see that as part of a bigger trend of online dating. And part of the, of the uh, factors that are driving this are people living longer, for instance. So people get to the age of 60 and they have maybe 20, 30, 40 more years left. And they figure, well, do I really want to be with this person for the rest of my life? So there's that transition. Also, the fact that the boomer crowd is the first sort of counterculture crowd that redefined what the idea of marriage was, you know, the notion of living together, that sort of thing. So all these factors are coming together and people are realizing rather than going to clubs and having to go to a lounge or a bar to meet someone and do trolling, you can just go online and browse through their profiles and find the exact match. Now, for those people who are just back into the single lifestyle after 30, 40 years, how do you approach something like a ZoomerSingles.com site? Uh, there's a couple of key things. Uh, you want to make sure that when you sign up, you put in as much personal information as you can about yourself, not your personal banking information or anything like that, but your taste, your interest, uh, your hobbies, your dislikes. Because once we have that information, then we can actually match it with other people and find a high level of compatibility. And that will help eliminate all these sort of people who aren't really what you're looking for. The main thing, especially for a woman, too, is is having that trust and knowing that if you've met somebody online and you take it to that next step of meeting them somewhere, how do you maintain keeping yourself safe as you move forward through the very initial parts of this relationship that started online? Yeah, you certainly want to make sure it's public. Uh, you want to make sure that it's in a place that, you know, your friends know you're there. Uh, but here's the funny thing. The interesting thing about our dating site and other dating sites is that the overwhelming uh, majority of users are actually women. In our case, it's 72%. And so men actually have the odds in their favor. So, it's, so, it's good for men. On, yeah. on the Maybe they're the ones singles. who should be careful in going to public settings. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's true because <laughs> uh, the type of person you might not uh, want to meet is not necessarily uh, specific to the gender, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, with the, in terms of the other social sites, we've, you know, we've talked about Facebook, we've talked about ZoomerSingles.com. Uh, there's also LinkedIn, which is a great professional network, and that uh, has become of great interest to Zoomers. Yeah, LinkedIn is an excellent tool for reinvention. So essentially, you know, if you've reached the point of retirement and you want to try something different, you certainly want to make sure that you leverage a service like LinkedIn to make those contacts. Also, uh, what happens quite often with people who, um, you know, have high-level jobs, executives, that sort of thing, is that when they 
retire, a lot of their contacts are, are lost, which makes it very difficult to transition to another career. So it makes a lot of sense to actually build your network of um, you know colleagues, uh, partners, business associates on LinkedIn, so that when you do retire, you still have the option of being able to like launch your own business and still have your social graph, your network of people. For those Zoomers who have yet to enter into the uh, field of social media and they are thinking that they're starting to get attracted to doing so, how would you say uh, you venture into this social media network? Well, I would suggest, you know, that uh, Facebook is a good place to start if you just want to meet people and get a sense of how it works. The thing about Facebook is that it's about meeting your existing friends and family. If you want to meet people that you've never met before – you know, Facebook's not really the best platform for that. I would recommend Zoomers.ca, our social network, which is part of everything Zoomer.com. That's more of an open environment where you go there, you make friends, people who are in the same demographic. Uh, and then as far as online dating, of course, I would recommend Zoomersingles.com because it is catered towards people who are 45 plus. It's not like a big nightclub full of a bunch of noisy kids. It's really more like a small lounge full of interesting people, kind of like cheers, you know, like oh, hanging out there. Everybody knows good. your name. Right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, McLean. Thank you. You can read McLean Greaves' tech column, The Geek Shall Inherit the Earth, in the latest Zoomer magazine. I'm Jane Brown, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. The iconic Zoomer singer-songwriter Carol King is celebrating her 72nd birthday today. And in just a moment, we'll celebrate one of her many hit songs. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. Libby Snymer is off this week. I'm Jane Brown. Now it's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Michael Kramer. In New York City, Brian Cranston from TV's Breaking Bad stars as Lyndon B. Johnson in a play about LBJ's American presidency. All the Way is at the Neil Simon Theater on West 52nd Street. In the Windy City, the photography of Christopher Williams is on display at the Art Institute of Chicago. The production line of happiness is a feel-good show exhibiting 35 years of Williams' pictures. And in Russia... Olympic visitors can also enjoy some time at the Sochi Art Museum. Visitors will see the story of Sochi's extensive past as told by its artists. I'm Michael Kramer with your International Arts Date Book. Today, the great Carol King is celebrating her 72nd birthday. She's had an incredible career, which began as a songwriter. Along with her first husband, Jerry Goffin, she co-wrote some of the huge hits of the 1960s, such as Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, Take Good Care of My Baby, The Locomotion, I'm Into Something Good, and You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. King wrote the music while her husband, Jerry, wrote the lyrics. The couple divorced at the end of the 1960s, and around the same time, Carole King began her transition from a behind-the-scenes writer to a singer on stage. Her first album, Writer, debuted in 1970 to critical success, but it was her follow-up 1971 album, Tapestry, that made her a star. It won Album of the Year at the Grammys, has sold over 25 million copies, and has taken the 36th spot on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. 
Right now, we'll hear one of the album's hit songs. It took the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in June of 1971 and stayed there for five consecutive weeks. Here's I Feel the Earth Move. That was Carol King with I Feel the Earth Move from her 1971 album, Tapestry. Today, King is celebrating her 72nd birthday. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown. Libby Snymer will be back next week. Be sure to tune in and stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandria. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.